Good morning, everybody. It really is an honor to be here. I have such a passion for the local church. I really believe that this is the hope for our world. And uh, my title this morning is, I am a part of a big picture. And my hope is to kind of take you on a bit of a journey to bring you to a place of realizing actually that every single one of us are a part of a bigger picture. And, and as I look at kind of what's happened over this weekend, I see life in this place. And uh, there's life because there's open-handedness and leadership. There's empowerment here. But as a counselor, I also know that we are complex, aren't we? Women, what kind of complex are we? Wonderfully complex, 100%. We are wonderfully complex. And, and I love to speak into some of these complexities and give us tools to manage these spaces so that we start to align and live into the fullness of what God has for all of us. Um, it was a few months ago, I was in Joburg and I was driving out of a car park and um, this lady in a very large kind of SUV type car took the corner in the car park a little bit too widely, which means I had to reverse so that she, her car could get around. And um, I know what it's like. There's no perfect drivers. And so, you know, in my kind of Christian heartedness, I wanted to show her grace. And uh, as as our windows kind of passed each other, I, I am actually an ex-surfer. I'm originally from Dervis. I gave her the island style, you know, like, it's okay, you know. Like, I wanted to, I don't think Joburgs know how to read surf language. Um, and so her response to my, chill, it's all right, I'm not angry with you, was to give me a finger, and it wasn't the thumb. <laughs> and um, I, I still wonder if as she was driving off, if she went, oh, man, like she responded in the wrong tone. She was, she was expecting angry. And she didn't know what to do with the grace in that moment that had been given to her. How many of you have found yourself doing something similar? Well, your expectation of someone is that they're gonna, you know, get angry with you and then you immediately go on to the defense. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you have found yourself reacting to your spouse like that? Where you are convinced they are the enemy. <laughs> is it just me? Don't leave me hanging, please. <laughs> okay. Where you're like, I know we said our vows until death I do part, but it's like, I, I will cause your death. No. <laughs> but nobody, nobody says their wedding vows, I will love you and cherish you. But in five years' time, I will dishonor you and drive you nuts and until enemy us depart. You know, we don't say those vows, but yet it happens. And we don't, we don't look at our newborn child's eyes and then 10 years later, there's hatred, but it happens. And we don't start off as best friends and 10 years later leave as worst enemies, but it happens. We're wonderfully complex, aren't we? And so I want to speak into this place because I think every single one of us have experienced betrayal and disappointment. We've been used. We've been let down. There have been unmet expectations. And Romans 12.4 says this, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with the body of Christ. 
we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Well, I don't want to belong to that part. Like, let me, let me find my like-minded parts. You know, let's keep those parts away. And so how do we manage these complexities? And I want to speak into some of what I call the tensions and truths of life. And the problem with tensions, and I hear this in the counselling room all the time, is that we want to get rid of tensions. You know, we want to deny them, we want to anaesthetise them, we want to numb them, sometimes we want to Botox them, or, you know, whatever it is, we want to just get rid of tensions. Or, if we look at tensions too long, eventually tensions can become our truth. Because that's all we see, we become very narrow-minded. People can't be trusted, they will always disappoint you. But I want to show you how we have to learn to manage tension with truth, because we live in a broken world. So the first thing I want to speak about is that hurt parts hurt parts. If you've ever experienced a twisted or a broken ankle, you know how painful that can be, even just a twisted ankle. But if your ankle twists and lets you down, you don't phone up a friend and go, you know Angela the ankle? Yeah, the one that I go to small group with every Wednesday. You know the one that I pray with all the time? They totally dropped me the other day. Like, just totally let me down. Like, can you believe the level of betrayal? I mean, I've been praying with Angela the ankle for years. And that's it. You know what? Cancelling her. I will never depend on Angela the ankle again, ever. And she called herself a Christian. Can you believe? We don't say that, do we? But yet it happens in the body of Christ. If you're a paramedic, I know there was a lady here who was a paramedic, where is she? Hello there. <laughs> How many times when you're treating somebody with an injury and you are tending to the most painful aspect of the wound, have they lashed out in anger and maybe even used terrible language. Has that ever happened? I imagine many times, but not, not anyone you've treated here, of course, you know. <laughs> Do you take it personally? No, because you understand that hurt people hurt people. You see, it's not our hearts, per se, it's our hurts that end up causing injuries. And as human beings, we have to hold the tension that we are fallen, fickle, fragile, and fallible. Romans 3.23 talks, we all fall short of the glory of God. No one is perfect, okay? 2 Corinthians 4.16 also says, this is why we never go up. Though our bodies are dying, I remember when I was at Bible college, I had a lecturer that would say to us as students, you are slowly decaying before my eyes. <laughs> We're like, well, that's a nice thought. <laughs> you know, you're in your 20s and you're like, I don't know anything about decaying. How many of you are over 40? Okay. If you're over 40, someone told me this once when I was in my 30s. When you hit 40, all your past injuries come back to say hello. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Okay, and then when you get past 40, you're, how many of you are past 40 in your minds? You're like, yeah, I can do a cartwheel. <laughs> and then your body goes, don't even try. <laughs> You'll face plant. 
All right. So there's this tension. Though my body is dying, my spirit is renewed. Our bodies will fail us. But in my spirit, I still feel youthful and young. And I've got things to do, but my body doesn't always want to keep up. Can you hear the tension and the truth in this space? Here's another interesting scripture. This is John 2, verse 24. This is Jesus speaking. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about the human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. (laughs) Tension. How many of you have been uninvited by your kids to their birthday parties? You're not, my, you're not coming to my party. I'm like, I'm paying for your party. <laughs> As human beings, we've got to hold this tension that we're fallen, fickle, fragile, and fallible. And at the same time, God has orchestrated the body in such a beautiful way that he's got a role for us to play in it. But how do we hold this tension where sometimes there's a body part next to me that might fail me? So the second thing I want to speak about is when broken parts become the enemy. The real enemy we know is the devil. We know that we're fighting against principalities and powers, not against flesh and blood. And the Greek word for devil is diabolos, which comes from two words, dia, which means a part, and balo, which means to throw. In other words, he wants to throw apart whatever he can. John 10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, he doesn't want us to be successful. He doesn't want the body to live in unity. He doesn't want the body to be effective. And when you actually look at that word devil, it's more of a job description than a name. You see, he wants to deviate, divide, distract, deceive, disrupt, distort, dissolve, dilute, demolish, defeat, divert, deform, devour, or destroy. How's that for a whole bunch of Ds? <laughs> You see, he wants to not only destroy the body of Christ, he wants to destroy families, identities, relationships, anything where there is unity, he wants to bring division. You see, he knows that if the enemy can't destroy the body of Christ, then he will do everything in his power to divide it. Because then it weakens it. He wants to do everything in his power to make you believe that you're insignificant even in the part you play. I recently read a book by authors Jim Wilder and Ray Woolridge, and they co-wrote this book called Escaping Enemy Mode, How Our Brains Can Unite or Divide Us. You see, in that moment in the car park, that person's mind had probably experienced some level of road rage before. So in her mind, she's thinking, you know what? There's no safe person in the road. There's no person that's going to show you grace. And so the story her brain told herself in that moment is this is going to be another road raid, other lady who's probably going to give me the finger, so I'm going to give her the finger before she does. That's what her mind did. It divided, and enemy mode will literally get you to a place of not even seeing good relationships for what they are. Because the story we tell ourselves is everyone is unsafe. 
And if your experience even from growing up is that the world is unsafe, then how you connect to people around you even in your adulthood would be the same. There's actually three types of enemy modes that our brain can shift into. You can actually Google these guys. They've got an incredible podcast. If this interests you and you want to go deeper into it. But the three simple enemy modes that we go into, the three types, the first one is simple enemy mode, where literally your brain is passive because you're very involved from a, a kind of task-orientated mode. You know when you're just busy cooking or you're busy answering emails and your mind's not in a space of trying to connect, you're in just task mode. And then your kid comes in or your spouse comes in and they want to share something and you, and you kind of brush them off. That's what's known as simple enemy mode because the person who's trying to connect with you doesn't experience an overt rejection, but just a brush off. And they can experience that as pain. Like, am I not important to you? We can't see the person for what they are. Or if you're in a rush in the, at, the, at the restaurants and someone is to order someone and you don't even look up to see the person who's taking your order eyeball to eyeball. You're like, you just throw the order out and brush them away. That's simple enemy mode. There's low energy. It's where we actually forget that the person serving me is actually a human being. We're relational mode. The other enemy mode is stupid enemy mode. That lady who drove off probably went, oh, so stupid. <laughs> you know, when two minutes after your explosive behavior, you're like, oh my gosh, I am so embarrassed by how I behaved. It's driven by a hot rage, a hot anger. It's very intense. It's in that moment when you're feeling powerless Remember, ladies, we spoke about when you're feeling powerless, you look for behavior that makes you feel powerful, and sometimes it can be driven by this intense energy, but it puts you into stupid mode where you're not thinking clearly. You see, when your, your, your brain kicks into stupid enemy mode, that part of your brain is also known as the reptilian brain. Have you ever had a rational conversation with a reptile? You can't. It's the very reason why guys get given red cards in rugby and soccer, because their reptilian mode, their stupid enemy mode is kicked in when they start throwing punches. Their prefrontal cortex is turned off. You see, when reptilian mode is on, thinking brain is off. You can't have a rational conversation. And so when somebody's in stupid enemy mode, just give them a red card. Don't try and have a conversation, okay? You will lose. But it's understanding this dynamic. <laughs> Someone's clapping. Are you clapping a spouse there? <laughs> All right. Red card. Okay. And then we have intelligent enemy mode. And this is kind of a smaller group of people. This is actually grows out of cold anger. This is revenge. This is bitterness. This is like calculated betrayal where I have been hurt. So now I've had ruminating conversations in my mind for years. And out of that cold anger, I want to destroy this is where I'm now living in a stronghold of isolation and revenge and all those things. And so I want you to hold on to these, these descriptions of enemy mode as I read through the next bit of text here. This is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 15 to 21. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. 
Or if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of hearing be? Or smelling be? Sorry, I got lost. But in fact, God has placed the parts of each body, every one of them, just where he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many body parts, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Can you hear the complexity of human nature in this? And I think God is so clever to give us this analogy of body and body parts to help us understand these spaces. And there are three mindsets that I want to quickly speak into that help us understand the dysfunction of almost enemy mode in how we think and how we relate to the body. And the first is the mindset of comparison and then rejection. Because I'm not the hand, I do not belong How many of you have disqualified yourself because of what you are not? I know us women have spoken into this over the last weekend. And comparison will always lead to a level of competitiveness because we start to see others as a threat. Like you don't don't see dogs going, because I can't meow, I do not belong to the pet world. (laughs) They don't disqualify themselves. And competitiveness is a very dangerous thing because it also leads to living for a panel of judges. You see, the minute you put yourself into this place of comparison and competitiveness, then I need to live for the voice of my judges. And if you are my judge, if I give you that power, I have to perform for you in order to get my value. It's the same reason why in America's Got Talent, everyone wants to change the opinion of one judge. Who is he? Simon. Why? Because he's the most critical judge. Now, if Simon were tone deaf, would you willingly sing for him in order to get him to judge your ability to sing? No, because you know that his ability to judge being tone deaf would be dysfunctional. But we are all tone deaf because we all fall short. Never give another human being the power to determine your value. The only person who determines your value is Christ. The one who created you. And if you are living like that, comparison will eventually lead to failure. Because you know what? A hand cannot function like a foot. And when eventually you're trying to be something you're not, you'll get the sense of I'm failing and I might as well reject. I don't belong anymore. The next mindset is the mindset of individualism. But it will also lead to the breakdown of of effectiveness in the body. Imagine if everyone on leadership were all ours. Where would their sense of hearing be? And often when we we only connect with like-minded people because we only want to be all the same, there's there's no sharpening, there's no room for growth, there's no room for expansion. And eventually what happens is if you're not like me, then I'll reject you. You're unwanted. And some people even leave the body of Christ. They leave churches because there's no place for them. What I love about what I've seen here is the level of open-handedness to empowerment in this space. There's health there. Individualization robs that space. And it's actually rooted in a deep insecurity. 
because I'm threatened by somebody that's different to me. If the whole body were an eye, where would its sense of hearing be? The third mindset is the mindset of isolation. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. You see, it also leads to a breakdown of community. And often we live in isolation because we actually fear rejection. I will reject before I get rejected. And it also leads to a lack of accountability and burnout because I can do it all by myself. I don't need anybody. But how does a lion killer pray? He tries to get that buck to leave the pack, to live in isolation because then it's vulnerable to attack. We should never say, I don't need. You see, God wants us to be a part of the body of Christ. So what does it look like to be living in a healthy body? The first thing that we need to understand is that your part was planned. How God created you was with an intentionality. Listen to these scriptures, 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them. There's a significance of you being here today. Every single one of you is a part and you are uniquely placed here where you are right now. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Some of you are getting a bit nervous going, there's a work for me to do, but I can't preach. I don't know God's word off by heart. That's okay. I'm going to show you the power of your part in a bit. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God has plans for you. How exciting is that? He's got plans for you. Psalm 139, 13. Ladies, we spoke around this over the last two days. You made all my delicate and apart. We spoke into the value of knowing our made by label. Sometimes we think in order to be used by God, we need to have a degree in theology, not at all. My journey into beginning of ministry started when someone once said to me, didn't God use a donkey once? I said it with the ladies yesterday and I thought to myself, I don't know if it's an insult or a compliment, but if God can use a donkey, well, I guess He can use me. (laughs) And that's how the journey started. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Know that you were planned. There was an intentionality to how you were knit together. And it's so exciting. The second thing about staying in a healthy body is stay in your lane. Play your part. Don't try and be something that you're not. Ephesians 4 verse 16, He made the whole body fit together perfectly as each part did its own special work. Tell the person next to you, you have a special work. As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You see, every one of us has got a part to play. It is impossible for Mark and Mel and George to be out there in the whole of PE doing all the different parts and helping everybody grow and heal. It's impossible. My big toe was not created to support my whole body. It will collapse under the weight. 
Be careful that you're not just attached to one part. Because just like an ankle, one part will fail you. But many parts don't. There's something very powerful about understanding that space. The next point is care for the whole. Every single part of us can show a care for the whole. 2 Corinthians 10, 25 to 26, so that there will be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honoured, every part is on, rejoices with it. You see, the beautiful thing that happens if I twist an ankle is I don't cancel it. I don't discard it. The rest of my body part comes together going, how do we take the pressure off this ankle so that it can recover and heal? That's the body of Christ coming together going, there's a broken part here that needs to recover and heal. What can I do to serve you? How can I help you? How can I breathe life into this broken space that you're living in? This is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Last point that I want to end with is that you are part of a bigger picture. You are part of a bigger picture. You see, God is so genius in His strategy for saving the world. He's got Christ as the head of the body and he has got this multitude of body parts with each a unique gifting and skill set that he can use to bring hope to a broken world. So I need three prop volunteers. I'm not going to make you do anything or say anything. I just need, first of all, a teacher. Anybody who is a teacher in the room? Where? Come on, teacher. I just need one teacher. You're just going to stand and look pretty. Come on, are you a teacher? Great, come up here. I need somebody who is in the beauty world, hairdresser, nail technician, oh, some of you are out here. Just one beauty, I've got a hand being pointed to someone in front. Come on, lady. Can you come up? Thank you. Awesome. And then I need somebody who can fix things, a male. Anybody who can fix anything, a plumber, electrician, a mechanic, any, any kind of fixer. Someone's being shaken over there. Come on. Mr. Greenshirt, come on, get up here. Give our, give our volunteer props a hand. Okay, beautician, teacher, fixer. Okay, come on over here, sir. Oh, I'm in the middle. This is what it looks like. Right now, out in your community is somebody, maybe a single mom, who is in a place of hopelessness. And she's journeying through her life. And as she journeys through her life, she's rushing from work because she's got a parent-teacher meeting that she's late for. And as she rushes into the parent-teacher meeting, this teacher says, you know, I just want to encourage you with a word from God. That You know what? I know that it's hard being a single mom. But, there, but there's a scripture that says that God will gently lead the mothers with her young. And I just want to say, you know what? God is with you. And I just want to encourage you, whatever your circumstances. And as she walks out of that parent-teacher meeting, she's like, oh my gosh, I really needed to hear that because I often feel like I'm just failing. And then she gets a flat tire. And this beautiful mechanic, what are you? I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> well, okay, he's a fixer, so he can do anything. Okay, McGarver. Um, Mr. McGarver mechanic comes past and says, you know what, like I'm here to serve you. And, you know, I know that it looks like you're having a really rough day. And I just want to let you know that, you know, there is a God who is a protector and a provider. And that even though you feel exposed and vulnerable, God's got you. And he just speaks a word of encouragement over her. 
And then Saturday morning comes and she was blessed with a voucher at the Worthy Women's Conference to get her nails done. And she's sitting there and she's just exhaling. And she says, you know, I can see these hands are weary. And God says to you that He's He's going to hold you and He will never let you go. And as I serve and just just minister to these hands, I just feel like I want to encourage you with a word that God wants to minister to your heart. And she's going to walk out of there going, man, I felt alone this week, but I had a word that spoke life and hope. And suddenly there's a revelation that, you know what, God is for me. And, you know, I've been toying with this idea of, do I go to church and where do I go? And then she's going to phone back and go, you know, are you a Christ follower? Where do you go? I go to Father's house. And next week, this place needs to be triply packed. Thank you, volunteers. I want to end with one last verse. Romans 12, 6 to 8. In His grace... This is the grace God has given the world, for God so loved the world that in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I'm pretty sure George would suck at doing someone's nails. (laughs) So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, brackets, doing their nails, close brackets, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if he has given you the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What I love about this list is this is not a list of professionals. This is a list that every single one of us can do. So stand with me as we close. If you feel like God is talking to you today, I want you out of an act of obedience, lift up your hands to him. Because God once said to Moses, what's in your hand? You see, he's given you everything you need already in your hand to be used by him. And out of a gift of obedience, bring your gift to him and say, Lord, here I am, use me. And if every single one of you wake up every single day saying to God, Lord, as I wake up today, I give you my gifts, my gift of kindness, my gift of cutting hair, my gift of teaching, whatever it is, I give it to you. Here I am, Lord, use me. Then we start to see a world change. And so, Father, I want to just pray over every person here. Thank you for this incredible gift of the church. And, Father, I pray for every person here that you would give them the courage and the boldness to step out in faith and to be used by you in their unique gifting, Lord. I pray for empowerment. I pray against any spirit of fear, any spirit of I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough. And I pray for a new fire, a new excitement, a new boldness to be birthed in their hearts as they realize the gifting and the potential that they have in you, Jesus. Thank you, Father for your incredible creativity that you get to use broken parts 
to bring healing to a broken world, that we get to be your hands and feet. And all those willing parts that are willing to be used by God, give a resounding yes and amen. Amen. Thank you.